Good morning, afternoon, or evening, everybody, and welcome to Pangolin, the conservation podcast. I'm your host, Jack Baker, and welcome to the show dedicated to the unusual, interesting, bizarre, underappreciated, wonderful conservation stories <laughs> that inspire me, and I hope will inspire you too. On this series of the show, we are, of course, celebrating Madagascar, the land of the lemurs. Now, on last week's show, we looked at Madagascar through the lens of health and wildlife hunting, and that was really interesting. With Hervé Randriamadi, we talked about his work with Mahiri, we talked about coral reefs, we talked about mental health, and yes, all sorts of interesting dynamics going on there. But this week, we're changing lanes, staying in Madagascar, of course, but we're changing lanes to talk about botany and plants. We're going to be looking at one of the most iconic plant species in the world, the baobab. Now, for those of you who do not know what a baobab is, you will know what a baobab is. Google it and have a look and uh, a picture. They are the upside down tree. They are the iconic image of kind of Africa. They are just this big, yes, iconic kind of plant that looks incredibly bizarre, but is also yeah, very interesting, and I've loved them since I was very young, so I was very excited to have this conversation. So I really hope you all can kind of gain an appreciation, and also, if you didn't know what they were, learn a little bit about them. Um, and yeah, anyway, before I ramble, yeah, I'm just very, very excited for this one, if you can't tell already. <laughs> so, uh, yes, so we are joined by Seheno Andrean Saralaza, who's going to tell us all about that. She is the Madagascar Manager for the Lemur Conservation Network. She's the Within Madagascar Director of Lemur Love. And yeah, she's just a generally fantastic person to talk to about this sort of stuff. So I really hope you all enjoy listening to her discuss her work with the Baobab. We also are going to talk about something else which is very, very interesting and something that I think she makes lots and lots of excellent points about, which is bringing Malagasy people into the conservation discussion, not just in the practical sense of equipping them to kind of look after forests in a very practical way, but also in a sense of the academic side. So helping kind of, yeah, include Malagasy people in the research that is done about their country and not just kind of include them, put them at the forefront. So it's a really interesting discussion about that as well. Now, I really hope you enjoy listening to the show today. I think that's all I want to say just now because I don't want to give too much away because it is, it's a fantastic interview and it, it's, I think the one thing that I would leave with, um, I suppose, is a lot of the time on this show and on a lot of shows, uh, they focus on animals and we focus on animals and we focus on people, but plants are often forgotten. And I think this is an interesting discussion to be had because not only do I work at a botanic garden, so I find it kind of interesting, uh, I also think it's an important discussion to be had because, as we'll see throughout the discussion, animals rely on plants, we rely on plants, plants rely on animals, and there's just this perfect circle that only really works when everyone is discussed and everything is discovered and everything is kind of, yeah, considered equally. And so discussing the baobab in this way and how it interlinks with all sorts of other things that we've talked about, all sorts of other species. It's um, it's just, yeah, it's a really important thing to consider. So I hope that's something you take away from it, is that plants are just as equal as animals. And yeah, if you do like that, please let me know, because I'll uh, I'll try and get more interviews about plants rather than just focusing always on animals and humans all the time. So yeah, anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, listening to me babble for a moment. I really hope you enjoyed today's interview um, with Saheno Andrian Saralaza. And before I go, I once again need to thank you so, so much for joining me as we explore the land of the lemurs. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the show. I am now joined by Seheno Andrian Saralaza, the Madagascar Manager of the Lemur Conservation Network, the Within Madagascar Director of Lemur Love, and a researcher who is currently working on the Baobab. So thank you very much for, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome. I'm very happy to be here today to join you and to have this conversation. 
Thank you. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to join us. I wondered, first of all, if you could kind of introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about how you first became interested in lemur conservation. Yeah, thank you. Um, so um, I'm, I have a, a little different background. I'm, uh, uh, I'm a conservationist and uh, ecologist also. Uh, I have a PhD on uh, plant ecology, so I've uh, mainly worked on uh, plants, on uh, Malagasy plants. After my PhD, I've worked um, at the NGO in the south of Madagascar, uh, and I was uh, the scientific co uh, technique and scientific coordinator of the, um, one of the care facilities of uh, Limus. And I've become very interested on uh, lemur conservation since my my work uh, in that uh, NGO. So I was um, responsible of taking care of such uh, pet uh, illegal pet lemurs. And uh, since that day, I'm um, I'm very interested on. Uh, how to protect uh, lemurs as one of the um, biodiversity richness of Madagascar. And I've realized how uh, much is difficult to work on conservation in Madagascar. So it's really challenging, but I really love the, you know, overcome some challenges, challenges and uh, yeah, and became uh, working on uh, lemur conservation since my work is that NGO. And then um, I've met uh, our director at uh, Lemur Conservation Network. And uh, for the first time I was volunteering for, for the Lemur Conservation Network. And then I'm the Madagascar manager. So Lemur Conservation Network is really a, a platform to, uh, that gathers uh, 60 organizations that are working on lemur conservation. And uh, as we always say at the lemur conservation, we, we want to have together everyone to save lemur from extinction. So I'm really convinced that uh, if we work all together, if everyone uh, helps each other to save uh, lemurs, we can have uh, hope to uh, save lemurs. So that's all. That's my uh, little background on uh, yeah my work uh, on uh, lemur conservation. Mm -hmm. Perfect. It's it's a really interesting kind of contrast of different things with the plants and then moving into to lemur conservation as well. And you kind of touched on and gave hints at a couple topics we'll discuss throughout the interview as well because we'll come back to kind of the idea of of everyone working together as as well. Um, but to start off, I, I wanted to start back with one of the first things you mentioned there, um, which is really interesting to me, is your work with the, the baobab uh, and plants. And I think the first question I would have for you is kind of, it's this kind of work that you're doing is a good example of what can happen when an important member of an ecosystem, like uh, a lemur, a giant lemur, disappears. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit, tell the listeners a little bit more about that and your work surrounding seed dispersal and the baobab. Yes, absolutely. So um, this uh, research on the seed dispersal around baobab is really uh, a mystery that uh, we don't have any answer right now. So um, during my PhD, um, my first research questions is uh, which animal can disperse the seeds of baobabs? Uh, because plants need to have a dispersal agents you know, like winds, like animals, to constitute the next generation. So when I first started uh, working on baobabs, the first question is which animal can disperse the seeds of baobabs? And we realized that the fruits are too large, too large, and, e and there is no current animals that can disperse a seed, uh, baobab fruits and seeds nowadays. So uh, when I started to work on baobab seed, uh, seed dispersal, I realized that there are many other plants in the world that don't, they don't have any animal seed dispersal 
uh, dispersers right now. And so one of, hypo uh, one of uh, the hypotheses that came out uh, on the, this, uh, this mechanism of seed dispersals that maybe the baobabs is among of the giant long-lived tree that uh, have a coevolution with the giant large-bodied animals that are instinct now. So that was a, a really, uh, you know, when when I first uh, be, uh, realized that, uh, that 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 response, I was I was really um, confused because there are no large-bodied animals in Madagascar right now. So um, one of the hypotheses is that maybe giant lemurs, giant lemurs are extinct. There are no giant lemurs right now in Madagascar. Elephant birds, giant tortoises, they maybe contribute to disperse the baobab seeds. And I've uh, done some experimentation with uh, cap uh, captive uh, giant tortoises, and we realized that uh, when giant tortoises um, uh, eat the baobabs, the baobab the baobab seeds can um, even can can be dispersed by uh, giant tortoises because they eat, and uh, the seeds are in their stomach in the digestive tract during 15 days. And after that, seeds germinate really quickly. So that was the one demonstration that, that proves that maybe giant tortoises, like uh, maybe 500 years ago, they can dis uh, contribute to the seed dispersal. But no, what happens to the baobabs? We really don't have this reports of this question. <laughs> that's that's a, a mystery right now. We don't have any responses. We know that maybe lemurs can uh, contribute to the secondary seed dispersal, not the primary, but the secondary seed dispersal, because lemurs cannot broken. They cannot broke the fruits. Because mm -hmm. it's too hard, it's too large for them. So we think that maybe lemurs disperse at the second time the, the seed, the, the baobab seeds. Maybe the giant rats in the western of Madagascar. And maybe baobabs uh, found any alternative mechanism of dis uh, dispersal, like uh, dispersal by water. So um, this is a mystery, you know, because such of uh, orphan plants that don't have, they don't have any animal seed dispersers and we really don't know how they can survive without their major animal seed disperser. So after my PhD, uh, I become more interested on, on those orphaned plants. We, we really called these plants as orphaned plants, plants because if they don't have their partner, they cannot constitute the, the next generation. So we are really worried about such plants because we have the urgent of urgent concern about the conservation crisis uh, for baobab, for example, their habitats are really endangered. We uh, we encounter now the habitat loss, the degradation, deforestation. So if we don't know how happens to the baobabs, how can they constitute the next generation? And we are we are facing on habitat loss. It's really uh, problematic. So after my PhD, um, I've, uh, I've decided to work both on lemur conservation, but also resolve this mystery around the baobab seed dispersal. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting, yeah. really interesting okay. story, actually, because it's, it's, yes, it's, it's one of those tricky issues in conservation where because the yes. animals are, are now gone, what do you then mm -hmm. start to do to to fix it and what how can you how can you try and try and help this the species kind of thrive thrive now i wondered what you've been doing in is there a way to kind of take the 
maybe seeds and grow them in a nursery and then replant them? What or, or what? How have you been looking at this kind of issue and trying to keep the species alive just now? Yes, that's that's a great and really interesting question because yeah, that that's true. How can we uh, replace such of um, you know? the functional role as uh, animal do for uh, baobabs yeah mm -hmm. so one uh, one way that we 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 do right now uh with my uh, i have uh, one uh, grants from the usaid uh, program we uh we want to investigate what happens for the baobabs in natural environment natural environment but right now we have to to do what to replace, you know, the because we if they, if if there are no animals any anymore in the in forest, we have to grow up the baobabs, as you said, in nurseries. That's the one way to do that. The second way to do that is we 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 if you want to replace and if you want to restore the baobab forest we have also to involve the people near who, who lives nearby the forests because we want to uh, protect the remaining forest of baobabs to protect the forest we have to involve the local communities who are nearby the baobabs. We we have to explain and to understand also their needs, because when you say right now that there is a degradation of baobab habitats, it's because we have uh, local communities nearby the forest who struggling every day to feed their family. So they, if there are there is degradation of baobab forest. Because of agriculture, that's that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, true. That's a reality. So we decided to um, protect the baobab forest to replace the plants. So to replace the role of animals to uh, grow up baobab in nurseries, and we don't do that alone. We involve local people to do that. So uh, that's the second way. And it's really important to involve local people. The third way is when we want to replace the the, the role to, to do the role of a seed dispersal, we have also to think about how can we integrate and restore the plant animal interactions. So we want also to restore the interaction between plants and animals. So we have to, to discover which animals can, uh, can interact with baobab fruits, but also with other plants. We have, for example, lemurs that made, if, if they don't, if, uh, if lemurs are not the primary animal seed dispersers of baobabs, they are certainly the seed dispersers of other plants in the natural uh, habitats of baobabs. So we have also to restore this role of lemurs uh, or, uh, with, uh, as a seed dispersers. For example, birds are also seed dispersers of many uh, endemic plants in Madagascar. So we have to restore and to think about how can we restore plant-animal interaction, which are really important. So not just planting plants, but also restore this interaction in a natural habitats. Mm. That's that's yeah. really, really interesting. And again, it's, it's you touched on so many things that I, I wish we could have, we had hours and hours for this conversation because there is so many little elements there that I'd love to, to get into. But the one that really stuck out to me, I guess, is is working with the the local communities and trying to get them involved in in the conservation of these things. Because I read previously, um, when I was doing my research for the the interview today, I read that you're looking into kind of how to balance the conservation of the baobab against the the local use and then also the international trade and the economic benefits to local people and it it's really interesting to me i wondered how you kind of approached 
that and how you what if how that's been in terms of trying to not say to people oh you can't use these because there's they're also economically benefit it must be such a a difficult thing to try and work out and i wondered um how your your work on on that particular aspect was going yes yes you're you're right it's really difficult but I have a little story uh, before really talking about that. Uh, I'm really uh, passionate about, uh, you know, research and the concept, uh, how, to, how to say that, the research itself. Uh, you know, when you discover, uh, when I discovered this um, uh, mystery around the sea dispersal, I, I, I really, I'm really passionate about that. Uh, the thing is, we, when we live in uh, such a country of like Madagascar, when we always talk about the biodiversity, like we say, Madagascar is one of the uh, the country that has uh, eighty percent of. Uh, plants and animals that are endemic in Madagascar and in another head uh, we, we really we always listen that and this is true the Madagascar is one of the uh, the, the poorest country in the world you I, I'm I, as a Malagasy researcher I, I, I was really I, I have many questions in my mind to say how can we uh, just to discover the mystery of seed dispersal of baobabs and how can we uh, protect baobabs? How can we uh, help the over uh, the over citizens of uh, uh, the, the Malagasy? So I'm, sometimes I'm really frustrating because the research is not enough. To, to discover the, the sea dispersal of Madagascar, even we discover what happens to the baobabs. If we don't have solutions to protect these uh, plants, it's not really enough. So um, I decided to, to, to try to understand what, what are the challenges if uh, we cannot protect baobabs, what are the challenges? So, I decided to, to go in uh, the western of Madagascar, in Murundava, and um, when I we, I'm working with some colleagues and we say that uh, baobabs are uh, uh, really uh, can have uh, benefits from local, for local uh, communities because uh, 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 fruits are, so, uh, are sold at the local market and we can have also the international trade of baobab fruits. And um, the first uh, the first man, when you are conservationist, you say, no, 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 no. You cannot touch the baobabs. We cannot uh, sell the baobab fruits because they are in danger. And when you say that, you see the local people who are poor, who are very, very poor. You cannot say that anymore. So after that, I really changed my my mind and my my point of view, my thought, and I'm I've said that from now I I don't want to be a, just a conservationist. From now I need to be a conservationist, but also to contribute on the local economic development. So that's why I've started to work on a project that can combine local uh, economic development and conservation. Uh, one day, I'm um, the one former said uh, one uh, local local community member said to me, "Seenu, listen, you it's your our your research is really interesting." Okay, we don't know which animal can disperse baobab seed. That's really interesting. But if we don't have a benefits from these baobabs, and we can, if you cannot feed our family thanks to this baobab, we cannot help you to protect this tree. And when I've when I've uh, heard that sentences from this local community member, I I, I was really interested and I said yes you're right you're right we do, we have to find what would be 
all your benefits to protect this baobab. How, how, what are your needs? What is your expectation? And from that day, I decided to, to, if we do a research, we have to combine. And it's a really challenging. It's a really, really challenging. It's not the first time researchers do that and know that it's really challenging. But we have to try. We have to start thinking about doing a research that can have an impact for local people. So right now, we are starting to work on nurseries. And uh, in parallel of that, we work on uh, the, the methods to, uh, to, to put a camera trap in the, in the baobab forest to observe any animal that can interact with baobab fruits. And at the same time, we work with local economic operator, like a company, a small company that who are interested to work with local communities on um, setting up a fair and equitable trade for uh, with implementing the, the the trade with baobab fruits. So we 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 want to combine. Uh, all of these aspects uh, to uh, reach the objectives or the aim of the project to conserve the baobab, which is really important, but also conserve this tree to the uh, for the benefits uh, of uh, local communities. So it's really challenging, and I'm I'm not saying that it will it's the first time uh, for the uh, project research. But uh, yeah, we, we, we realize that it's really important and it must be the priority for any research on conservation in Madagascar. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, yeah, and I guess that's the, the, the issue, I suppose, is then, yeah, how, how, are, people, how are people meant to, to want to protect something that, that they don't know about and they don't love and they don't necessarily have this exposure to? You have to kind of form this connection with them and put it back in their hands yes. and say this is what's going on around you and yes try and get them involved and if and I suppose the benefit then in turn is that it provides jobs and all this yes. kind of extra things for the local community mm -hmm. as well it's it's really interesting and um Yes, very. It's it's one of those projects that I said this in one of the last interviews I recorded. I, it's really an inspirational thing, and if I could applaud without ruining the audio, I would, because uh, it's a really interesting concept and it's something that's really really admirable. Mm -hmm. And I wondered, with that in in mind, you talk a lot in in your work about kind of the idea of decolonizing conservation, which I suppose I, I wondered if we could talk a little bit about about that as well, because that's kind of in a similar vein of getting local people involved. You have to sometimes remove <laughs> the external mm -hmm. influences who are telling them exactly what to do. So I wondered if we could talk a little bit about decolonizing conservation and if you could explain to the listeners maybe what that is. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the term um, itself, I think there are, there are uh, different and various uh, definitions and explanations. But for me, decolonizing conservation means um, the first thing in my mind is the empowerment of local uh, scientists on conservation and also the conservationist. Why, why this term of empowerment is in my mind? Because as Malagasy conservationists, we always feel like, like that we, we, we are involved in conservation, but we really don't understand even uh, why it's important and what the type of projects of research or conservation project we 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 have to 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 build or to set up in um, in 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 a, in a specific area. We always uh, for me for me I'm working on with uh, many uh, foreigners uh, in the conservation and uh, everything goes well, but. We, we are involved as a, 
assistant or as uh, you know to uh, facilitate the logistical things and aspects but we are not involved in the project at the beginning you know we it's uh, we, we 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 have many many research projects in madagascar related to conservation activities and i'm i'm for me i think that the empowerment and the involvement of local conservationists at the beginning of the project it's really not enough we always think that and and for 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 us as malagasy we think that oh no the the there is a project uh, that set up abroad of outside of madagascar maybe in france maybe in uk maybe in us and you say oh okay also how can you do that oh you can do um assistant researcher we can do so there are a there are a lot of uh, of jobs that it's it's really great it's really great that I, i'm not saying that it's not great but where is the involvement of malagasy researcher conservationist when you set up this project would we we don't feel that we have a voice to uh, give our opinion or our advice to say given the local context in for example in western madagascar maybe we can include this uh, this uh, kind of activities we can involve these types of uh, um of uh, stakeholder or there are many things that we we want to 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 provide as ideas or opinions but uh, for Many uh, for decades, we we feel like that there is a project towards Madagascar and foreigners uh, arise and they yes they have the funds that's really true they have the grants, but we we really want to be involved in at all of uh, process for the the projects and uh, we. we want to to have your voice we 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 feel like that we 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 don't have uh, the voice and also because uh there is a system in madagascar that uh, some conservationists or some scientists are not involved enough because the system is really bad in madagascar so we 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 heard the voice of the same the stakeholder so that's that's uh, that's really that's a shame also but um, yeah you know we we there is a tendency in the world that we we heard the voice of young researchers the early career researchers we we want to have them involved and uh, if we want to work in a specific area maybe it's time to involve the local persons and the local researcher at the beginning to have an impact a real impact in in, uh, in the at the end of the project so empowerment involvement in the whole process not just because we have funds and we we say okay are you interested to do the the the, the research assistant because we have this research yeah we are we are always interested because we want to have jobs okay <laughs> but we but uh, where is uh, where is our voice to be involved in such uh, you know the setting up of, of this uh, project so um, when i say uh, decolonizing conservation i mean the empowerment the local involvement commitment of um, uh, malagasy researchers and uh, uh, yeah, to reinforce also the collaboration. So I really don't mean that there is no, the collaboration. We don't need collaboration from all foreigners. It's not. Uh, it's not that way. We need to think or rethink again about this collaboration and what does it mean really? What would be the long-term benefits from both sides? That's mm -hmm. yeah, and I guess it links back to your your previous answer in a way as well, because it's it's not just about you helping the researchers in a very kind of scientific. You also have the connections with communities, and you're able to then connect with yeah. the, because you have the lived experience of being there and getting to know people, and you just will be able to kind of 
where someone who has never necessarily been to a lot of towns or cities in in Madagascar they won't know a lot of the the background knowledge that you have so it and have the mm -hmm. links that you have so it really benefits everybody by having you you involved I wondered what is the um the ideal way then to bring all these these ideas together um what what would you say is the the most beneficial way of having kind of people come in what in an ideal world in an ideal research what would be the kind of best way to balance local conservation work and external factors as well um yeah in the ideal world yeah that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you know um I, I don't know if it can be uh, it, it's my just a dream but I've um I've this idea to um when we want to to set up a, a proposal or a project it may be worth to 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 go on the field before the you know the submitting the the research grant or the conservation grants I know it may be uh, and uh, I'm uh, it's maybe really challenging and maybe that's not um, that's not the way that we should do that but um yeah we the the problem right now that why i have noticed is that even myself even myself um we 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 have our grants and we go on field and we say to the local communities, hey, we we have a grant to conserve the boba forest. Can we can we meet you uh, during one hour? Because for after that we have to to put our camera chat to observe animals, you know. And so that that's a really really frustrating to the local communities because they 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 would say, but. Uh, uh, we we really don't know about the baobabs. We really don't know about your projects. Can you tell a little more of about that? Maybe there are other priorities in the in our context in the, our forest. You can do you did you think about that? So the I for me the ideal world and even for myself I'm telling that for myself too is let's try to understand first the expectation and the needs in the on the local context before before uh, trying to get money to get uh, you know uh, our projects inside because like in Madagascar Madagascar is really a huge country and there are different different problematics and challenges for each area for and there are different contexts and uh, if we want to to set up a project like in the south of Madagascar, it's different from the north of Madagascar. So it's really it's really challenging to to set up a project and to not involve the stakeholder, the local stakeholder, at the beginning. So maybe maybe it's time to to change the way we 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 want to set up our project and uh, and let's maybe listen first. Uh, and try to understand the local context before before um, uh, setting up a project and to say okay that would be our budget our uh, objectives you know because we, we 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 don't we have different perceptions you know when even from the urban area and to rural area we have different perceptions and those who are from the urban areas, they want to have a project that are based in local area, but we don't know what happens. What are the expectations in those areas? It's like uh, for me, it's not, it's it's not uh, really a good way to do that. So um, yeah, let's try to understand and to listen first, and then we can uh, we can work. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah it's it's yeah. a really interesting yeah i think it's the the best way to and it's something that every everyone i've spoken to on the show it seems to be a a a, a dream and a kind of goal that everyone's pushing towards is this idea of actually involving um <laughs> involving the people who are mm -hmm. in the places where the conservation like i was talking to um the some representatives of the giraffe conservation foundation and they were talking about how 
Mm-hmm. Yes, we all love giraffes and we all want to protect protect giraffes, and it'll be the same with lemurs and things. We all want mm-hmm. to do these good work, but at the end of the day, giraffes are uh, it's an African problem for people in African yes. countries to solve. It's it's, mm-hmm. and I imagine it's a similar thing that at the end of the day, these are things that are going on in in Madagascar, and so you have to have the people who are living there and experiencing it every day help help fix these yes. these these issues um i wondered yes. uh, mm-hmm. we're we're getting towards the the end of the the interview i've just got a few more questions left but one that's really i guess uh important and one that i'm i'm looking forward to asking actually and hearing about would be um what are some of the successes of of local led conservation initiatives that that you've experienced so far mm-hmm. yeah um so far yeah, there are many successes uh, in local-led conservation initiatives. Um, we, when uh, we am um, within the Limo Conservation Network, we are working with some uh, organizations um, uh, that uh, have this priority to involve, you know, the local communities. Uh, so in in uh, such in uh, each activity they involve the local communities and it's not just about awareness or education because we talk a lot about education and it's really true and we have to do that but uh, many organizations that work uh, that work on uh, local uh, and rural areas they involve. Uh, for each activity, the uh, pupil, like in nurseries, like they want, if they want to do the fair break, for example, to protect the forest from against the fire, they involve the local pupil and uh, some organizations also help the local communities to find alternative uh, level foods. Uh, for example, the beekeeping. Also, there are some conservation organizations that they don't just work on conservation, but also on the income uh, of uh, for uh, local communities. So there are many uh, successes of uh, local-led initiatives, and uh, we, we we really want to hear from them because uh, we always uh, see in uh, in the media in. Uh, over uh you know newspaper that uh, yeah if the situation is really bad the madagascar is on fire and yeah that's true but let's uh, let's uh, uh, try to listen also the successes and there are successes from uh, local uh, areas and uh, also at the limur conservation network we we really want to to share this uh, the you know the successes from uh the lo- our uh, members because they really do a great job on conservation but also on uh, local uh, local economic development so we really want to you know um give them a voice to share the such of uh, successes because we need we really need to hear from them when we we have at another hand, uh, you know, the the situation is really bad uh, <laughs> for the, the over social media and uh, over media. So, yeah, there are a lot of successes of uh, local-led conservation initiatives and uh, many of them are LCN members. And uh, if um, we look at that, our website, we uh, have a profile for each uh, conservation and uh, they work uh, in the specific area and they really w- work closely uh, with the local communities yeah perfect yeah that's it's it's really good to hear and i think that's the the main thing is a lot of conservation stories they can be a bit scary and they can be a bit yeah a bit doom and gloom and all this sort of thing sometimes where it, mm-hmm. they we look at the negatives to try and scare people to get into into to to want to do more but i think sometimes the inspiring good stories are are just as inspirational and just as fun as just as um important as well so it's it's good to hear about those mm-hmm. and yes i will make sure and put a link to the the lemur conservation network the the website in the description for this episode mm-hmm. so people can go and have a look at the stories and see what they can they can find and which ones really um talk to them and and uh, inspire them 
Mm-hmm. And I, I guess if there is anyone listening who is inspired and does want to do more than just kind of read the articles, um, more than um, maybe they've been inspired by the your, your work with Baobab or the kind of local community work or um, anything really, what would you say to them? What would be, um, how can people help who, who've listened to this and are feeling inspired? Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you for... For me, uh, for anyone who wants to help for, uh, Madagascar and uh, to conserve, to help for the conservation of biodiversity in Madagascar, my great uh, test advice would be first, let's try to understand, you know, the the context, and uh, uh, we we really have. Uh, different perceptions we have a different cultures and it's really important but if you want to if we want to help let's try to understand first the local context and try to uh, know more about what really happens in such uh, specific areas and uh, um, yeah, we, we really want to have everyone involved to save lemurs from, for example, lemurs from inter- extinction. There are such a good stories, but let's try to understand what happens first and try to listen to her what happens from, we, we, that, that's why we need to have a voice from those who are in the local, you know, uh, uh, areas and uh, yeah that's my would be my my advice um we we can help uh in at Limo conservation network website we have uh, the web page uh, and uh, we guide uh, our uh, followers on if they want to help uh, so there are some many things that we can do um but uh, yeah my advice is let's try to understand and to listen first and then you we are uh, with our perception we can really help in uh from our side to the for, for the, the the country like uh, madagascar perfect that's that's really really interesting that kind yeah. of brings us right to the end of uh, of the questions in a way that's I think really inspiring and really good way to end so thank you so much um is there anywhere else the listeners should go if they want to learn more or do you recommend kind of going right to the the lemur conservation network website is there anywhere else you'd you'd point them uh yeah for for me yeah for conservation yeah we 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 try to to gather many information about conservation in Madagascar for for the, the our website uh, at the Nemo Conservation Network. Um, we have also the Facebook page, uh, the Twitter and Instagram. So yes, for the this uh, social media, we, we can, you can follow the our um, the our page. Uh, yeah, so uh, anything else? I think, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I would uh, re- highly recommend to <laughs> to visit our website. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so, yeah. so much. Thank you very, very much for your time today. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Jack. It, it was a really grateful and a meaningful conversation. I'm so happy to to have this opportunity and uh, yeah thank you so much uh, for your time to and for thank you so much for your, your invitation it's me to me yeah <laughs> thank you very very much thank you And welcome back. Thank you so much for listening to that interview with Saheno there. I really hope you enjoyed it. It was such a pleasure to record with her and I cannot thank her enough for her time and for, yes, just being such a great person to talk to. She gave us so many insights about plants that I didn't know, so many insights about a species, the baobab, that I have loved for my whole life. So I was very grateful for that as well. And some also some useful tips on how we can kind of yeah, and make the world just that little bit better. So 
Yes, I am very, very grateful for, for her and for all of the advice and time and everything that she gave. And I, I really hope that you take something away about the kind of the importance of plant life, not just animals, because animals are cute and fluffy and whatever. Plant life is also important. So I hope you, you take that message away with you. And yeah, another thing I guess we can take away is, of course, the work on local conservation and encouraging and allowing for people who are from the countries, which we find the most interesting, whether that be Madagascar or whether that be, um, I'm trying to think of other countries and my mind's gone blank, whether it be China or whether it be Australia or whether it be Namibia or Brazil, wherever the animals which you love and the plants that you love live, let the local people lead the way on conservation. Let them, they will know the place better than anyone. And yeah, I think Sahino summed that up far better than I am now. But yeah, just kind of, yeah, be more aware of the world around you and the people in those those spaces. Well, anyway, <laughs> before I ramble and keep you any longer, all I have to say is thank you so, so much for listening to the, another episode of the Land of the Lemurs um, series of Pangolin. We will be joined next time by someone we are all familiar with if we've been listening to the whole series. We will be joined by Harry, Jesse, and Tiamundri from Ranamafana, if you remember them from a few episodes back. They're actually coming back because I thought we'd continue the kind of plant theme with a discussion all about a plant nursery project that they're setting up. So I really hope you look forward to that and you listen to that and you get even more of an appreciation for plants than, than you gained today. Um, but yes until then you can follow us on your podcast streaming service of choice you can also follow us on social media twitter instagram facebook at pangolin podcast and of course you can check out all of the websites and resources we discussed today in the description for the episode so make sure to do that as well well uh, that kind of brings me to the end of today's episode so all that remains is for me to say a massive thank you once again to you for joining us as we explore the land of the lemurs. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>